This week we have so much news to cover. We announce our Raygun winners. Container all the things. And Carl gets a Tesla. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Aspose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. Welcome to our Christmas episode. How is it going, Carl? It's going pretty good. Okay, let's just jump into the comment of the week because we got lots of good stuff. Yeah, we got this comment of the week off of YouTube from Ian Hopes. It's not often we get a YouTube uh, uh, a comment that uh, we pick. Uh, he said, very interesting discussion uh, with technically wrong with Sarah Wachterbecher. Uh, one of the most important things I got out of the diverse teams is different ways of looking at or solving problems. If you don't have this, you just end up thinking with your own view, style, and skills, and that those are the only best or most important. Not to mention that people from the same background are boring. Or at least less interesting, and it gives more opportunities to debate things. Well, yeah, that's such a great comment, and I think it's been proven time and time again that a more diverse team builds better products. Um, but yeah, it was that was just a great comment. So thank you so much for that, Ian. And I think that's another thing too is just like even different perspectives. Like even if for some odd reason you can't diversify in other ways, just getting somebody who has just a different way of looking things mm-hmm. is a great starting point. Yep, that's why I have you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb, Jason. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if you want to get mentioned on the show, uh, send us an email at feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We especially love those five-star iTunes reviews. Okay, perfect. So let's jump into the news. So we have lots of cool stuff that we want to talk about before we talk about our contest and a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of Christmas items here. Uh, so the first one here is actually a blog post by me. Do you want to explain this, Carl? Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I can cover this one. No, but I'm going to int- introduce sure. it. Uh, I, I titled this one, Jason Containerizes Everything. <laughs> Containerize all the things. So yeah, I've been kind of obsessed with Docker recently, and um, I really think that Docker and Kubernetes and some of these other things like Service Fabric, um, I really think they're they're going to take over the world. And I really didn't see why before. I didn't really understand you know, what the point was. It's like, oh, I can make an executable that runs anywhere. Like, why do I have to put this into a, like this arbitrary Docker container? Um, but I, I kind of understand it now. Like it's, it is, it is literally like, just don't overthink it. You know, it is just a way of packaging up your stuff and ensuring that it is extremely likely that it will work exactly the same way, no matter where you put it. Well, I think that's the, the biggest key is you just have your code and your code will run. Once mm-hmm. you have it tested, you just know that that image works. Yep. So I actually Dockerized a couple of things, one of them being the <laughs> MS Dev Show website. Um, I also did my personal blog, which I thought was kind of interesting. And that's what this blog covers, right? Yeah. Well, actually, it's the exact same instructions for both of them. No, but I, I want to get into the next step where you went overboard. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I walked through um, how I changed the the, the VSTS uh, build process. So what was kind of interesting about this is it actually made the whole process of building uh, my website more uh, it, it just was more logical. It just, it, it flows much better. So originally my VSTS build process would build the site and then it would actually do a deploy to Azure. And looking back, that seems kind of bad. Like why, why would a build process do a deployment? So now what my build process does, it actually just builds a Docker container or a Docker image, if you want to be precise. And it pushes that image up to Docker hub. Okay, so that is, you know, I've basically decoupled it from from the deployment to production. Um, and anybody can go out there and, and grab that container at, at any point. <clears throat> and then what I did was I configured my Azure website. I said, hey, see that Docker image over there? I want you to go pull that and I want you to run that. I want you to deploy it. Um, so I basically decoupled the build process from the, uh, you know, from the execution in runtime. And I do have, you know, all the instructions out there. I have my Docker file. Of course, everything is all open source. So you can do that. Um, 
when I did this on the second site, so I did it on my blog first and then I did it on the MS Dev Show, uh, it only took, I don't know, I could do this with a static website like these in 10, 15 minutes, easy, you know, modify the whole process. So I think the coolest thing for, for us is we have a static website and beforehand it was taking anywhere from like six to 10 or 12 minutes for us from when we push code to when we saw the changes mm-hmm. up on the website. And now it's like, three minutes max. Right. Right. So that's cool. Yeah. Cause building the image is just a matter of like packaging up all those files, right? Like it's just building a new layer. And then the deployment process is like drop dead simple as well. It's like, Hey, I'm going to pull this thing over here and I'm just going to, I'm just going to run it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I teased it before and then you went overboard. So <laughs> what did you do, Jason? Well, I did a couple things. Well, so I guess one more thing that I want to mention, uh, which I think is pretty cool about this whole thing is you can literally, if you have Docker installed on your machine, you can run the MS Dev Show website literally with a command line. I have it memorized is Docker space run space dash I dash D dash capital P. <laughs> and then you do Y techie slash MS Dev Show. And I know it sounds a little complicated, like repeating a command line out loud, but it's pretty neat because like I could literally walk up to your computer, type in that command line, and I will be running the MS Dev Show website on your machine. So basically I can easily run the website anywhere. Um, so the next step I took, I'm assuming you want me to talk about the IoT Edge. Yes. <laughs> so I've been playing around with the uh, IoT Edge, uh, the Azure IoT Edge, which is... Um, I'm, the the best the, the best way to explain it is it's a way of running like all these Docker containers locally for an IoT scenario, and then ultimately it it gives you really easy way to push data into uh, into Azure. Actually, you can push data anywhere, yeah. but it's set up for Azure. Um, so I said, hey, this thing runs containers. Why don't I run the website on the <laughs> IoT Edge? <laughs> so you could literally have like a. Uh, a Raspberry Pi, if you want. I didn't do it on a Pi. I did it just on a regular Linux machine. But you could say, hey, on this IoT Edge, I want you to go read data from this thing and I want you to put it in, push it into the cloud. And oh, by the way, I want you to run the MS Dev Show <laughs> website. <laughs> that is possible now. And in the future, when refrigerators run uh, Docker, you will be able to run our website on your refrigerator. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, uh, so, Carl, I, I heard that you got a Tesla. <laughs> Uh, some amazing new Tesla hardware that's actually surprisingly affordable, but out of stock right now. Um, <laughs> they actually have a USB battery pack uh, that you would carry around for like your phone for $45. So Tesla branded uh, looks like one of those superchargers. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, the Tesla came out and I'm always interested in it. I, it's kind of a pipe dream because I can't afford one. It's not realistic for my family or anything. But I was looking it up, and all of a sudden on their website, I noticed, hey, they've got other things that are more affordable than just you know. <laughs> sort sort by price. <laughs> yes. And Carl's like, I can afford that. <laughs> so if you want something that's actually Tesla and uh, you know not having a, a four year wait list. Uh, check out their power bank <laughs> if you need one. Very cool. And then put a deposit down on a car. Uh, okay. Uh, what is this next one? Language server protocol preview release. Yeah. So one of the things for VS Code is they um, have a way for you to you know post have an extension, uh, perhaps for a new language that VS Code doesn't know about. And there's enough uh, contracts on there for uh, you to get like IntelliSense and stuff like that when you develop against that. Well, Visual Studio is getting that now too. So if you want to add like a new, like I'm, I'm pretty sure Go is already supported in some way, shape or form, but if it wasn't, you could, uh, add that feature via an extension, um, with this, uh, new protocol, uh, language server protocol release. Oh, this is cool. It actually looks like I, this isn't just for languages though either, right? Cause you, it looks like you could use it for just about anything. Like it's a super simple interface for just manipulating documents. Uh, just text documents. I'm sure you could get really crazy. I, it was, I think it was designed <laughs> for languages, but you know, there's always... Nope, I can distort this into something cool. <laughs> <laughs> you mean languages aren't cool, Jason? Yeah, somehow somehow we will have an MS Dev Show add-in pretty soon. Okay, so let's talk about a cool feature in C Sharp 7.3, which is the ranges feature, which is the feature that made me think that Python was so cool. <laughs> so like uh, the code examples here is uh, they show like for having like an array and then instead of doing like, you know, having like all the numbers in between, it's like four dot dot 10. So it's all the numbers between Mm -hmm. four and 10 or case zero dot dot 10. So you get zero through 10. And that's really cool because how how many times do we like, because I know there's a way that you can like write this link statement that'll 
you know, create that range for you, but I can never remember it. I got to look it up every time, but this syntax is going to be super useful. And yeah. I already want cool. 7.3. You know, I just noticed here though, like there's a for each and it says for each var I in zero dot dot 10. Yeah. Uh, so my question is that must go to 10, right? So it would go between zero and 10. That's 11 iterations. Oh geez. That's going to, that's a little, that's a little wonky, but I, I would argue that this is definitely better syntax because you're, it, it, it's, it's very specific and it's very clean. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's not something that's kind of overloaded with something else that you might already do. So yeah, I really like how it looks. And it's really good, like you said, for between four and ten. And I think you could go backwards too. I suspect they'll support. Oh, that would be cool. Moving, I believe they. The well, I don't know. I'm crossing my fingers that they will support that because I think that's supported in Python, where you can go either direction, and it's like smart about the whole thing. I mean, I just, I wasn't joking around before when I saw Python. Like they people do this a lot. This whole dot dot notation. And uh, I was pretty jealous of that, so uh, I don't have to be jealous anymore. Uh, SQL Injection Attack Registered Company. <laughs> so in the UK, there is a company that is registered as semicolon drop table quote companies, end quote, <laughs> semicolon. <laughs> that is awesome. So, yes. Their CEO is uh, Bobby Tables. <laughs> <laughs> That's an XKCD reference that I hope all of our listeners have seen. If not, we'll have to put that in the show notes. So, um, and, and I believe I uh, looked into this a while back. I forgot. I think it's like an IT services company too. So they're they're <laughs> definitely hitting the right domain there. Yeah. I think when I formed an LLC, they wouldn't even let me have a comma. So I don't know. I don't know how they got away with this, but they have all sorts of crazy stuff in there. Let's see here. Don't have diversity training where you work. Use Microsoft's. And, uh, I that was actually the literal tweet that I saw somebody use. I th- I want to say it was like Jeff Fritz or something. Um but either way there's some diversity training and since we just had an episode on that, I thought it was kind of really a- appropriate to share this if if you have a work environment where you think this might be useful. Uh, Microsoft has training out there that uh, anybody can log into and use. Yeah. Well, see, I got to go to like, you know, I had like in-person training and we've we've actually had quite a few classes on this. And I found them to be very useful. But, you know, unless you work for like giant megacorp one, two or three, um, your company is not going to be able to afford to put something like this together. So this is great that we have this out here. And all of Microsoft's training is really top notch when it comes to employee type training. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, check it out if uh, this is something that your work doesn't do. Perfect. Visual Studio 2017 version 15.6 preview. And of course, this is just on the heels of 15.5 going GA. So I'm certainly sense a pattern. There's always a, a, a release and a, and a preview. And man, this train is like, they, they are just rocking. Cause I mean, this is what, this is just like every couple months they're coming out with a new one. This yeah, is incredible. It's like, every, it's like every month. And yeah. so 15.5, like the biggest thing was like those Azure snap points. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could finally play if you had enterprise edition. Uh, now this one, uh, you really liked one feature in particular, which is why we're talking about this. So what is that? Well, I'm not sure I fully understand it, <laughs> but, uh, that won't keep me from talking about it. <laughs> there is a, I'm trying to find it here. It was around all oh, managing secrets. So under the productivity section, there's a section called managing secrets and, uh, basically it's using key vault. Now I don't know if this is for all of your settings, but I know it's for your secrets. And, and for me, this is always like one of the hardest things, uh, you know, where, where does it go? Yeah. And it, how do I not check it in to get? Yeah, exactly. It's what I said. It's one of the hardest things, you know, like, you know, for people like me, I guess. Well, uh, I, I remember we were doing like a hack, th- hack fast, like three years ago and you made this big deal. Like here's this special file over here with all the secrets yeah. and don't check any of that stuff in yeah. like 10 minutes later. Somebody's like, I checked that file in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Normally what I do now is, you know, I have the set, I have the, the file that actually has the secrets in it. I set it to ignore and then I'll have like a sample file sitting there so that somebody knows is like kind of how to make that file. Uh, it's just terrible. And I've, I've played around with like environment. Ver- I've tried like every possible way under the sun. I think even when this was like 150 episodes ago, but we had uh, Phil Hack on and I think I asked him about it as well. And his answer wasn't necessarily the, the greatest. So this uh, this feature in Visual Studio, depending on what I haven't played around with it yet, uh, but it looks like, you know, this is a problem that they're finally tackling. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And it looks like it's backed by Azure Key Vault too. Yeah, so, which is like you that's know, awesome. Yeah, that's like enterprise grade. So that's more than I need. Uh, announcing Azure Migrate. What does this do, Carl? So uh, this was announced with their uh, VMware uh, tools. So it's it's a way for you to like look at what you have on premises and get it up to the cloud. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> which which is really cool because there's a lot, a lot of people like how do I do the cloud? I yeah. mean, even today, I mean. They've heard of AWS, they've heard of Azure, they've heard of Google Cloud, but like, how, how do we do this stuff? Yeah. And, and 
you know, sometimes it's like, you know, you want to take the baby steps, but even like, you know, I, I, there's just so much out there. What, where do we get going? Yeah. Um, and, and one of the other cool things about this tool in particular is like, is it'll look at your on-prem environment and is like, is it even suitable to put in the cloud? So maybe whatever you're doing is doing just a weird lo- workload that might need to be uh, on-premises. So, um, and it's not just going to blindly throw stuff up there. It'll, it'll figure out what size VM, uh, based upon, uh, utilization history for like CPU memory disk and all that. Um, and it'll give you an estimate, uh, what, it, what it's going to cost you to run up there too. So if you're looking, um, to take something from on-prem and move it up to the cloud, especially if it's like a VM, uh, based workload, this is a really good tool to help uh, you make those decisions that uh, might be a little bit confusing otherwise. Yeah, do it, do it. Okay, global virtual network peering. That sounds pretty ominous. Yeah, and I saw this one and I'm like, this is going to be really cool for a bunch of people, but I still don't totally understand it. But I think it's uh, really, if you have multiple region data, you know, data centers, it's a way to get uh, that virtual network oh, between those. Oh, yeah, it's a direct pipe. Yeah, you're basically bridging them. And, okay. and you're not going over the internet either. You're ah. using Microsoft's Azure backbone. So it's really fast, really optimized, and it's that direct connection between those centers. Oh, that's cool. A lot of people have been waiting for this. No, that's that's uh, like super cool. Too. Yeah. Well, not me in particular, <laughs> but partners that I've worked with are uh, they've been asking for that. So that's awesome. Uh, Azure DevOps project public preview. What yeah. is this? This is another one of those things like, how do I DevOps, right? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, yeah. it's, rub it's, some it's, DevOps on it. Yeah, rub some DevOps on it. But what does that mean? So uh, this is a Visual Studio. Uh, project that you do file new project and uh, it, it hooks up to VSTS, you get Git, you get a build pipeline, all of that as a project that you can control. So when you make changes to your build process, that's something that's now a project, which means you can version control it. So you can version control your DevOps now. Oh, that's pretty cool. Actually, so VSTS supports version control as well, by the way. It does, but this is all built in, yeah. tied to your code. If you change that that's very cool with your code. Okay. It's pretty amazing. Sounds good. Ship it. Uh, announcing SQL Operations Studio for preview. Yeah. So during the Connect conference in the middle of uh, November, uh, we announced that there's this new way to interact with uh, SQL because before we had SQL Server Management Studio. Uh, but, you know, one of the problems with that is that's just like a monolithic tool that's stuck on Windows. You're yep. not going to be able to run that everywhere. So this is something uh, that can run anywhere. Uh, anywhere where you're at and you can still interact with your SQL databases and it's out for a preview and it's also on GitHub. So you can check it out mm. and fork it if you want to. This actually looks like what I want. This is, uh, this is cool. Cause I've been, I've been waiting, you know, cause like management studio, luckily you can get it separately now and it's, it doesn't feel as big as it used to feel like it used oh, to be. It's still pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. It's still bad. It's still, you know, it's a big thing. You're, you're downloading a lot of stuff. So the installer is still intimidating. If yeah. You're not used to all the different million checkboxes. So I am going to install this for sure. This is great. Uh, AI school. Yeah. And you know, this is a, a, another one of those things, you know, there's a lot of talk about how all the big companies are doing AI and mm-hmm. ML and like us as regular developers, um, even, there was a, a build. I can't remember if it was this past year, or the year before. There was a there's a a conference called like ML for developers. I'm like, yes, they're going to share the secrets. And like <laughs> ten minutes in, he's like, do you know why I chose this thing? I'm like, this is he's going to lay down this knowledge. And he's like, because my data scientist told me to. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was say, you all have a master's degree in <laughs> statistics, correct? <laughs> so you know, this is one of those things. There's uh, many different ways to do AI, a lot of different technologies. Um, this is just some training that you can go to easy to remember AI school. Um, the link is in the show notes. I got to hover over this. It's AI school.microsoft.com. There you go. And it's got videos, it's got labs, it's got everything you need to get going on those simple projects. So when you're done, you can do the hot dog or not hot dog. (laughs) Perfect. Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create, open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial, and if you get stuck... 
message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. And remember, if you are a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Expose.net, a powerful toolkit for working with Word documents in your applications. Okay, and let's talk quantum computing. So there's a free preview of the quantum development kit. I can finally run that on my quantum computer. And not only that, but it comes with a new language, Q Sharp. Yeah, I can finally run that on my my quantum <laughs> Raspberry Pi 3. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't, I don't know uh, exactly how practical it is, but there's also a quantum development kit, so you can get going uh, on this. And you know, like I said, check out this post for more information. We're definitely not experts on this. This just came out uh, a few hours ago while I was on a plane, so <laughs> I definitely have didn't have the best opportunity to investigate this fully. No, I, I actually saw. I don't know if I was reading a headline or if I, I saw it somewhere. Somebody was was you know mentioning some comments about this, and it was around how Microsoft has taken a bit of a different approach. You know, where it's like we're thinking through like pretend like quantum computing like was a thing tomorrow. Um, how would you start to be productive on it? Where everybody else is like, how do we make this hardware and do this thing? So I think we're I think it's great because it's it's sticking to our, our strong suit here. So I'm excited about the work that we're doing. And I will uh, purchase one of these quantum computers once it's uh, <laughs> available and reasonably priced. Okay, so let's talk about our Raygun contest, which is over. So if you didn't get your entry in, too bad you lost. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to the people that did uh, put entries in. We had we had great response. Yes, and, and not only did we have a great response, but we actually took all of them that we got and we sat down with people at Raygun and went over all of them, and uh, they really liked all of the entries that we had. So yeah, it, it definitely some of this wasn't easy to. Uh, you know, figure out who got what, but no, that, that's a good point. I want to dive into that for just a second. Um, it might be a little bit of a waste of time, but I'm going to go through it anyway. I mean, we, whenever we get this good engagement that helps build our relationship with our sponsor and it makes it so that those talks with them are easier and that makes sure that we get the sponsorship money to keep the podcast going. Um, so, and, and also so we can make more stuff to give back to you guys. Oh yeah. That's, that's the thing we're, we're, <laughs> that's we're, my part. <laughs> we're, we're financially terrible. Like we pretty much just like give everything away. So, um, you know, that's the thing you, you just, whenever you send in your entries for this type of stuff, you get a chance to win and it just helps out the podcast in general. So thank you so much. So, uh, we have two runner up prizes and the grand prize. Mm -hmm. So the first runner up I will read, it came from Bob Tipton mm -hmm. and he said the fail that sticks in his mind was an engineering application that was written to automatically change any zero nu numeric input into 0 0.001. And the reason for this was so you never had to worry about divide by zero errors. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just, that's just, that's just a good idea. I mean, <laughs> processors should just incorporate that at the processor level. <laughs> now, 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 if this were JavaScript, I would definitely say that would probably be should change all nulls to zero too. <laughs> What could go wrong, right? So, so Bob actually had he actually had two entries. So he he took this exact same one, and I think there was at some point we we said tell a story. He made up this. It it was way too long. It would take half the podcast. It was it was pretty interesting. But thank you for the effort. Thank you, Bob, uh, yeah. for for that huge effort and two entries. Um, uh, you get a one of the runner up prizes. So um, thank you, Bob. Yeah, we'll have to. I don't even know what that is, but it's something awesome. So in a future episode, we'll have to we'll have to say what it is. Yeah, take a picture of it and show us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously, so we know what it is. Um, okay, so the next one here. How do you say his last? This is why you do the names. Ben Chartrand. Yeah, Chartrand. Okay. Chartrand. Sure, sure, that works. Yeah, you want to tell us what this entry was? Uh, so he's. He said uh, it was a, a bad situation that he was in that he was managed to turn around. So he was providing a sales demo to a client, uh, very long and detailed and intensive. It got to the one key street key screen when it crashed and it kept happening. It was not a one-off issue. Uh, so he decided to spin it as positive. I told him stuff like this happens. When it does, it goes to Raygun. I could show them an exception and explain that if we got a lot of exceptions, uh, we get a notification on the phone via Slack and he'll get in touch with you or even fix it before you get in touch. Mm -hmm. uh, he was able to see what the problem was, work around it and continue. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I got that customer. And Obviously pandering to our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Sucking it, up does work. It, it does, does work. work. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, it may not have been the worst thing you ever saw, but um, being able to prove that you use Raygun was pretty awesome. And uh, since you probably already had a license, since you're using it, uh, you get one of the runner-up swag bags. Yeah, very cool. And then uh, for our winner, 
um, which we are going to anonymize at his request. We will anonymize it significantly. We, we, we did promise that. <laughs> yes. So the grand prize winner uh, for the license is... Uh, so he worked in the health industry where he was integrating with the government. Um, so obviously, you know, a regulation regulation or two around here. Uh, he was doing some of his own development and testing with one of his other internal homegrown applications. Uh, he found that the primary endpoint for retrieving data from uh, the government system was unauthenticated and returned all the information you needed for a data thief. Name, addresses, phone numbers, incomes, social security numbers. Ouch. This information was available very easy using a query string value from an endpoint. Uh, he contacted information security team who worked with the rest of the product team to remedy, uh, remedy the situation ASAP. Uh, they also don't have any idea how long uh, this was going on and if any data was c- compromised or how much. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty huge. That's terrifying. That, that is a, a horrible thing. You have, you know, the health industry and the government and all the personal data in between. Um, See, this is why we don't ask our listeners for their social security numbers. That way we don't have to worry about a breach like this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I didn't recognize it by his name right away, but once he put in this little comment, I actually, uh, he met us at Build. Yeah. And well, I think we're actually going to have to, re- we're going to redact his name, by the way. <laughs> I don't think he wants his name mentioned. All right. So, um, burp, burp, burp. You have to copy and paste that I'll over do, there. I'll do something. Like, oh my God. I'll do something a little more professional, I think. Yeah. Just keep his first name in there. That should be good. Okay. That sounds great. Uh, so thank you everybody again who entered. Um, these were, these were just awesome entries. We love to hear this kind of stuff. And, uh, um, I don't know. Just thank you guys so much. It's just, it, it makes us so happy to see whenever people send this kind of stuff in. Yeah. And feel free to just, Contact us anytime. We love hearing anything you have to say about the show. Yep. So speaking of being thankful. <laughs> yeah. So, so you mentioned this was a Christmas thing, but we're doing Thanksgiving and Christmas in one. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, you can be thankful at Christmas time. <laughs> so <laughs> so how we were going to do this, um, I don't know how this is actually going to turn out, but, you know, we'll do it anyway because that's that's how we do this. There's there's no there's no second takes. There's there's no redos. Um, but I thought what we would do is each of us would kind of go through like some of the the tech that we're thankful for. And then also the things, you know, if we had, if we could just put anything we wanted in our Christmas list, um, you know, what, like, what would we actually put on that list? And we, and, and then I just thought we would, we would discuss these things. Um, so we'll just kind of go through the list, uh, one by one. Uh, so do you want me to go first on what I'm thankful for? Sure. So the, the biggest thing, the things that were kind of top of mind for me that, that, that are things that I think work really well. So the first thing on my list is my Mavic drone. So I have the DJI Mavic Pro, uh, which there were a whole bunch of Black Friday deals on too, by the way, uh, which is past that. So sorry if, <laughs> if you wanted one, it's too late. Uh, but no, I mean, it's a drone that you can get for, um, I think the regular price is like a thousand, but, uh, I saw it on Black Friday for like 800. So you, I'm sure you can get some deals now for around 900. Uh, but this is a fantastic drone, uh, almost a 30 minute runtime on this thing. Uh, 4K video, which is just fantastic quality. I mean, this thing is just amazing. And this thing goes, uh, almost 40 miles an hour. So what, what kind of practice do you have to have with drones or experience? Cause oh. I've heard other people with other drones, they're like, buy a cheap one. And then you're going to break that one and then get a decent <laughs> one. So, I mean, is that something you recommend for something like this? Or is it so high end you just, you know, it takes care of itself? I don't think I'd feel comfortable spending $1,000 <laughs> and then being like, oh, what the heck? I actually had – so a friend of mine uh, that's not Carl um, <laughs> bought one of these. And he actually called me up and he said, hey, I, I don't want to touch this thing until I come over and have you teach me. Mm-hmm. I actually spent – I don't know, probably about three hours with them, believe it or not. So if you have somebody that can work with you, you know, I, I think anybody who listens to this podcast can probably handle it. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's it's difficult, but there's like, there's certain things that, certain habits that you need to build up. So for example, like on pretty much any drone, like if anything goes wrong, just stop what you're doing and just stop touching everything because the default state for a drone is to just sit there, you know? So it's it's a matter of like building up some of those habits. So, so that's totally different because I remember uh, getting into... Uh, RC helicopters and like, yeah. and with those, <laughs> those, I mean, are those are super finicky. And like, the thing is, is like, if you let go, it's going to crash. So yeah. that, like, if you get in a bad situation, the situation called for just gun it, yeah. which is also yeah. a great thing. So I'm, I, I, in my own opinion, like I'm a pretty amazing at flying the drone and I probably only have 
you know, five hours of experience driving the Mavic. So before that, I did have some of those uh, little toy drones mm-hmm. and uh, they could even do flips and stuff like that. Um, and they were super crash. I mean, crash like hundreds of times, but you really have to get it, it's you have to get used to the controls and and build up a habit of like, oh, OK, this this side, when I push this direction, this is what it does. Mm-hmm. It builds up that habit habit. And then when I first got the Mavic, like. I mean, I was a pro from like the first second I touched it, honestly. Um, you know, it was, it was funny because if I didn't have that experience, I would have destroyed it because here's what happened. I was having some video issues first and then, which whatever, I, I ended up resolving those issues. But the second the thing took off, um, I don't know what the issue was. It was like a calibration issue or something. It immediately, I was about 10 feet away from a fence. Guess where it <laughs> went? It went, it made a beeline for the fence. And because I had that, you know, those reflexes, mm-hmm. I actually grabbed the control and push it the other direction and got it away from the fence. It literally, if I wasn't experienced, it would have taken off and run into a fence. So absolutely. I, I don't think you should be spending a thousand dollars on a drone without having one of those little toys first and building so up So go to your reflexes. local discount store. Yeah, they're like $30 for the little ones. Like it's cheap insurance. Speaking of insurance, you can also, I bought the insurance on the drone as well. Um, turns out, you know, this is kind of a pro tip. You can actually get uh, insurance through like State Farm. Um, oh. And even if you lose it, they cover it. Uh, with DJI directly, if you buy their insurance, it only covers if you can re- return the carcass to them. <laughs> And the thing is, so um, don't dump it into a lake or, well, that's the thing. Like I, I took it out the one day and I was flying, I won't, I won't provide any details, but I was flying in a place where there were basically like some rapids and, uh, I was taking off from the woods in kind of a secret location. And, uh, and the, I, I took the drone out immediately over the water and then, uh, it lost the, the GPS fix. And there was something because of the metal and the rocks, it was, um, it was kind of freaking out and it was, it, I thought it, I thought I was going to lose it. Um, but again, those reflexes, you know, cause I, I could still see it. I was able to use my reflexes to, to compensate and kind of keep it in place. And then once it got its fix, then it was fine. Um, but there are certain things you want to know, like you want to have the thing get a fit. You know, I was, I was taking off from my hand, you know, I was doing some more advanced things. I don't recommend that for most people. Uh, but once you get those reflexes, these things are super easy to fly. Um, the, what people don't realize too, and I won't really get into this much is there's a whole bunch of rules around this. You should understand what the laws are. Um, there's a lot of no fly. Well, probably anything you do is going to be technically illegal. Like be smart. Don't, don't go, don't go a thousand feet in the air with like airplanes flying around. Well, don't go a thousand feet in the air, period. <laughs> Stay under 400 feet. But even still, I mean, there's apps on the phone. I won't go into all the details, but like, just, just do your research so that you're not killing people. I mean, seriously, you know, if you're going to be flying low uh, below the tree line, I think that's where the best footage is anyway, is kind of the low, the low flying, uh, great shots, I think are personally at that level anyway. So yeah, I've uh, seen a lot of really cool photos, especially like, uh, Laurent Bunyan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think he has one of those as well. He's gone over like, uh, glaciers and oh, yeah. waterfalls and into caves. Yeah. He's got some really well, great Mavic, It is just fantastic. I mean, the fact that you get a half hour, I only have two batteries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll get bored of it before the batteries go dead. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible and be able, be able to put it in sport mode and go 40 miles an hour. Like I can get it like across a lake or something pretty quickly and it'll go miles away from me. And, uh, um, I don't know the, the, the footage off of it in 4k. I mean, it, it looks like, I mean, I watch movies from just a few years ago mm-hmm. before drones were really popular and I'm just thinking like, yeah, I, I could do a better job, you know, like today with my thousand dollar drone than they could with the helicopter and, yep. you know, with the gear that they had. Okay, do you want to do one or should we? Yeah. Uh, okay, go so ahead. My thing actually started off as something like I had a really specific scenario in mind, but then as I started thinking about it, I'm like just really uh, thankful for everything that's wireless nowadays. <laughs> so I was first thinking about like my ear pods and Bluetooth radio to my vehicles and just never having to plug my phone in to get uh, audio out. And as I thought about that, I was like, not just that, but I've got the new iPhone that's got Qi charging. Yep. I, I loved it on Windows Phone, but I haven't had it in a few years. I still have my same bases. That's you know how I get charged my iPhone is with the Windows Phone bases. Uh, but also communication, the fact that we can, I can text my kids who don't even have phones with iMessage uh, from the middle of nowhere is pretty amazing. And then mm-hmm. just wireless internet. I just upgraded my internet at home um, to be uh, – 
better than suck. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, like higher levels of suck. Higher levels of suck. Less levels yeah, of suck. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, and you're like, anything that's wireless, I've, I've really cut uh, a lot of wires out of my life in the past few years. Yeah. And it's made my life better. And yeah. I remember like in, in the past, you know, just listening to music while laying down for bed um, or a podcast or something, like the wires would get tangled as you're rolling over or something. And it, you know, it's just little things like that. Yeah. I freaking love my AirPods. Those things are are the greatest. And uh, Xcode now even does like Wi-Fi debugging, which is which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. I can literally have my phone sitting there. And if I'm developing an application, I hit I hit deploy and it just deploys to the phone that's sitting there. It's just like, how is this working? This is amazing. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things uh, is as many things that we do almost seem like magic and wireless just keeps that magic alive. Okay. Well, that was a good segue from my next pick, which is actually wireless, <laughs> uh, which is uh, my hotspot and uh, my RV tech. So, you know, I have a I have a travel trailer and I've been working. I've, I've designed out basically the system in there so that I can work on the road because uh, we have we have a couple trips planned. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be working remote and traveling the country for about nine weeks in the summer. So um, I had to figure out, okay, how do I have kick-ass internet across the entire country? <laughs> it's actually easier than you'd think now. Um, so basically, you know, I'm using an AT&T hotspot. I have the Unite, uh, what is it, the Unite Explore Pro or something. Um, so it's funny because I didn't need it right away, but I suspected that AT&T was going to they were going to drop some of their unlimited plans because they actually have unlimited hotspot and people don't believe me, but my parents are literally using one in their house. Um, and they generally use three to 400 gigabytes per month on their hotspot. Yeah. Over, over LTE. Yeah. (laughs) And it's pretty fast because they basically, they live in the middle of nowhere so they can see a tower. Uh, that's basically their tower. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're the only ones. There's no one else. So if you think they're abusing it, like, okay, so be it. But like, they're the only person in the tower. They're not really abusing it. Plus they get deprioritized, uh, not throttled. They get deprioritized if other people are using the tower. So it's not like they're competing. Um, so, you know, I, I bought the, I bought the hotspot. And then AT&T, quote unquote, mistakenly said that uh, they were going to be getting rid of the unlimited plans or the unlimited hotspot. They go, oh, whoops. No, that was a mistake. I don't know how you accidentally <laughs> put uh, a notice on everybody's bill that that plan is going away. Um, I think they realize how much people are freaking out. And the only reason that they are getting all these customers is because of <laughs> features like that. Like, yep. oh, wow, you have a differentiated feature and you're getting all these customers. <gasps> Big shock, you know. <laughs> So, um, so they, I think they took a step back there and then, uh, you know, so it turned out I didn't actually have to go run out and buy the thing, but you know, it's okay. I I'm glad that I have it. And, but of course, 28 days after I bought mine, there's a 14 day return period, 28 days after they came out with a new hotspot, which is the Netgear Nighthawk M1, which actually has a wired ethernet port, uh, which is just really amazing. And it's, uh, got quad carrier aggregation so it can actually take like four separate signals and combine them um and you know it's got wi-fi and all that kind of stuff so basically it's a it's like the hotspot that i've always wanted and they just came out with it so when we did our test run of you uh recording in the back of your truck that's going to be you all summer long <laughs> yeah that's right we did an episode yeah exactly we did an episode like that but it'll get better so that was on the old hotspot i have a better setup coming um and then the other pieces that make this work are i bought a WeBoost, who used to be wilson electronics it's a WeBoost. uh what is it um something something xrv it's uh we'll have a we'll have a link in the show notes but basically it's a it's a uh, lte booster um, so I have, <laughs> I have a painter's pole that I've attached to the back of the RV. Uh, it can go up 30 feet in the air and then that gets wired into the booster. And then the booster has an in, an, an antenna in the RV that sits right next to the hotspot. And it basically makes it so that when I have, you know, not enough LTE signal, I can boost to the point where I can use it. Um, so that's a pretty neat hardware. That thing was expensive though. It's 500 bucks for one of those. It's Ouch. shockingly expensive. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was painful. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, a ubiquity, uh, Wi-Fi, uh, directional hot Wi-Fi. Um, it's not a hotspot. It's a, uh, Wi-Fi antenna, I would call it, uh, and router all in one. Ubiquity mm-hmm. stuff is so reasonably priced, man. It's mm-hmm. 80 bucks for this thing. And basically you can pick up Wi-Fi as long as you point it at the Wi-Fi, you can pick up Wi-Fi like two miles away and nice. it'll, so, so the, you know, think about how bad hotel Wi-Fi is. Now imagine an RV park where <laughs> <laughs> it's like not only, there. yeah, not only you have all these users, but they're all over the place. Right. You know? So the idea is that I put up the pole cause it'll be mounted on the same pole. I point it at the hotspot, you know, that might be half a mile away. 
and I connect to that. So I, fingers crossed, I will have all of the best gear possible uh, for getting amazing bandwidth while on the road. So I'm very thankful that I can make that work and that I can actually like keep doing my job conceivably without people realizing it <laughs> for mm-hmm. nine weeks on the road. Yeah, which kind of actually segues since you have RV tech. Yep. Uh, the last thing that I'm uh, thankful for is I just got a new truck. And, and, and the thing that's kind of funny about this for people who know me is I, I'm not a small guy. I'm six foot two. I've got a pretty big build and I've always owned small cars. <laughs> uh, always. And it was kind of a joke. I mean, people like what you fit into a car that small. And even when, you know, I would upgrade, like even my last car beyond small cars was a small SUV. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have, you know, a giant F-150 and it, it it's really nice having all of that space um, and all, all of the new tech. Once again, you know, Bluetooth and all that stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. That, that's the easiest way to update your radio. <laughs> <laughs> Buy a new car. <laughs> I'll just replace the car. But, you, you know, it, it comes back to what's the right tool for the job, you mm-hmm. know, in any tool or job that we're looking at. You know, for, for me, I didn't realize it was a truck. Yeah, well you you had you had like a smaller SUV, right? And you're yep. like, "Oh, well, we can we can spend a whole bunch of money and get a lightweight, you know, we'll spend all this money to get a small lightweight trailer." Or for the exact same money <laughs> on spending on a trailer, we could get one that fits my entire family because yeah. I have five kids. Yeah, exactly. So I think that was I think that was the right move there. It was. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications, supports all major programming languages and platforms, and integrates with your current development workflow tools too. There's a free 14-day trial, and it takes minutes to implement. So start resolving issues in your application and check it out today at raygun.com. Okay, so the next section is going to be what would we put on our Christmas list? And, and, and these aren't things that we're going to ask our families for because, first of all, do you trust your family to buy you tech gear, Jason? No. <laughs> no, I don't either. You give them the you give them your Amazon wish list and you're not <laughs> actually what oh man. So I'm either gonna get something, you know, I'd either get something that's on clearance, um, or or I will get a rough approximation of the thing that they think they're looking at on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, you know, as much as I love my wife, she is super thrifty. So if she could save that two dollars to get me not what I wanted, you know it's close enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, if I, if I, if I put like, let's say it was like a, a super specialized pair of pliers on, on there, then, then somebody would get me, I don't know, they would see, you know, at, they'd be at the dollar store and see some like general pliers and be like, here you go. This is what you wanted, right? No, no, not exactly. Just, just keep, keep your money. <laughs> okay. So, um, I guess I will kick this off and I'll talk about the, uh, so I'll, I'll name one thing that I, that I'm kind of lusting over right now. And I've kind of gone gone back and forth on this one, uh, but basically the new GoPro Hero Six. Um, before it came out, I was like, okay, whatever it is, that's what I want because I wanted, I really wanted a five, but I was willing to wait a little bit. Um, so then they announced the six, and and they raised the price by hundred dollars, and it wasn't like that much better. I mean, it is better than the five, but like it wasn't like groundbreakingly better. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't have optical image stabilization, some of the things that people are hoping for. Um, you know, so GoPro from a from a technical perspective isn't hasn't really been competitive. There's other brands out there. There's like Yi, and they have, if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that correctly, um, but they actually have like better hardware at cheaper prices. But there's still some caveats with that. So I was still finding myself l- lusting over the GoPro Hero Six, and actually I have. I don't know how much I should go into, but basically I'm going to get uh, a really good deal on one. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is something I've been looking at for a while. and, well, and Essentially an employee discount, right? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. So, um, you know, I can I can use my iPhone 7. Like, it's it's great for, for almost all those purposes, but, like, it's not great for mounting to my helmet whenever I'm on my boosted board. It's not great for when you're at the beach and you just kind of want to throw it around. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll even take video. Like, I've taken video of, like, hey, let's bury the GoPro and then we'll dig it up. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you just want to like kind of throw the thing around and not worry about it. And you know, everything I do now, I try to do 4k. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also going to use this for, for the podcast as well. Uh, so we'll have 4k video whenever we do, whenever we do events. So um, the gimbal that lets us do like steady shots. Like well, if, if you're carrying it, right. So I put, I put gimbal on here. I don't, I don't know if, 
if that's needed. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the with the gimbal. Yeah, so the the new GoPro has image stabilization. I think they do it by oversizing the sensor, so it's kind of like digital okay. image stabilization. Which so is it's not, it's not like a hardware nothing. thing. Where it's you not put a it hardware thing. Head. No, no. Um, but the the reason I mentioned the gimbal is uh, it would be nice to have a nice gimbal. I actually looked at buying one for the iPhone Seven. Uh, I looked at the Osmo, which is from um, what is the company? That's uh, is it DJI? I think that makes the Os- Osmo. Um, but anyway, is that the one that like Brad Sam's uses for Thorat.com? I'm not sure because I, I know they got yeah. they put an iPhone in a gimbal. And- okay, yeah. So the the regular price is three hundred dollars, and I saw a Black Friday deal for one hundred and fifty. I was getting so so excited. The price kept mm-hmm. going down, going down. I'm like, oh yes, this is what I want. A uh, little bit of an issue. The iPhone, uh, Apple does not give you a way to disable the built-in image stabilization. So if you use one of these gimbal, gimbals, it's basically fighting the built-in stabilization, and the results look like crap. Now, looking like crap is all relative. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably looks fine to most people. I I just I can't buy something like that unless it's I can't spend that kind of, even 150 bucks unless it's going to be perfect. So I'm I'm lusting over a gimbal that doesn't exist yet, <laughs> and or the Osmo uh, when iPhone finally allows uh, anybody to disable the uh, built-in optical image stabilization. So what do you got, Carl? So my first thing is once again staying with my theme of the day, wireless. Um, uh, you had mentioned ubiquity before. Uh, I'd like to get some ubiquity networking gear throughout my house. Um, I do have a pretty beefy router the way it is. I've got the uh, Nighthawk R8000, so it looks like a cross between a spider and an alien if they had babies, and it it is pretty it's pretty powerful. But there's still like edges of my house it doesn't drop off anymore yeah. but it's definitely weaker and slower i'm not hitting my yard and i just want to like blanket my entire property with sweet sweet wi-fi so i could be in the backyard doing a barbecue campfire swimming whatever and not worry about whether or not um exactly. me or the kids have access to the wi-fi this is totally off topic but did you see um uh, so a you know, friend of the show, Brandon Martinez, he actually had a tweet where he showed, or actually I think it was on Instagram. Um, he showed in the, in iOS 11, uh, the camera app now will actually scan QR codes automatically. Yep. One of the QR code types is Wi-Fi username and password. And I haven't tried this yet, but I found, you know, there's sites out there where you can generate it. Generate it. So yeah. Have you tried this? No, but you're saying like, just put one in your house. So yeah. when guests come over, they literally, you just say, open up your camera app and point it at the QR code and it will join their Wi-Fi, which is yeah. really cool. So I got to, I got to play around with that, but I did want to throw that out there. Yeah. But anyways, ubiquity. I mean, everybody I follow on Twitter is pretty much like upgraded to that troy hunt has some amazing blog posts yep. in fact he did such a good job with that that they're giving him just free gear now <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah I, I definitely excited to do that upgrade but yeah. um kind of needs to come as as a christmas gift. <laughs> as a super generous gift yeah because the uh uh a friend of mine has uh he has all the ubiquity stuff if you get the right product line like all their stuff works together and it sort of lights up all these features yeah, and he and was showing me the when interface. you get new stuff it just auto yeah. discovers and adds and it's beautiful no it's like magic he was showing me the interface and it was blowing my mind like i don't even care about the wi-fi like i just yeah. want that interface <laughs> it was so good so I'm going to jump and do my next one right yeah, now. So what, what, what's one of the reasons why I want this uh, awesome networking gear? Um, I also want cheap home IoT gear. Um, so this is kind of like a wish. I, I wish it existed. So some of this does, but it's <laughs> not at the price point I want. So if you look at like the lighting, the switches, the outlets, like the ways to automate your home, it is not cheap. Uh, like a lot of outlets and switches are going to be between 20 and $50. And then you still need to get a, a hub for a lot of these different things. Or you'll you'll find a solution that does like two of the three things you want, or three of the four, or five of the six. It's it's always yeah. missing something. So one, I wish it existed. Um, yeah, like ten bucks, yeah. ten bucks an outlet, and I'm and, and I'm even okay. Like I'm happy to rip the wiring. You know, I'm happy to like replace yeah. the actual outlet. Like I, it doesn't even have to plug yeah. in. So one of the things in particular I, I do really like though is uh, on the Philips Hue product line those those LED strips that you have that you can program to all the different colors. I have uh, a non Phillips version of that on my desk for, for lighting. So I, I think I've tweeted out pictures of my desk before that does backlighting. Yeah. That way you can just keep it pink all the and, time or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever my mood is. Some days it's pink, some it's purple, you know, Yep. but I mean, I've, I find that lighting really helps, um, you know, 
just make you feel comfortable in whatever, uh, you know, whether it's your office, your home, whatever, having good lighting really helps. Uh, and like I said, being able to control some of that stuff, um, Mm -hmm. via an app would be really great, but I want one system that does it. So, you know, not only would I like this, but I, it doesn't quite exist today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause when we, when we went through our house to, to purchase it, when we viewed it, um, they actually had to bring in all these extra lamps. They staged it with all these lamps because the built-in lights that they had were just garbage. It's not enough. And it was funny. Cause when we moved in, I just, I was like led all the things and I spent, I spent a lot of money. Uh, but you know, it, it, the led bulbs end up saving money over time. And, uh, I just use like all these like super bright bulbs all around the house it looks like a totally different house just by replacing the bulbs. Like instead of staging the house, they literally could have just replaced the bulbs. <laughs> like just people just don't underestimate like the difference that some, some good bulbs can make. Uh, okay. So what is next on my list? Oh, so I guess I'll do a two for one <laughs> since we're, since we're just asking, you know, you're asking for things that don't even exist. So I can, I can put two things into one, right? Uh, so I want an Xbox one X. So I actually have the original Xbox one, uh, which is still kicking. And, Believe it or not, gets the most mileage in my house. Uh, my my oldest son now, all of his friends are on there. He usually has five people in a party, and they're playing all the time, um, and they get to chat with each other. I mean, it's just it really is just an amazing system from that standpoint. And uh, I would just love to play around with the Xbox One X to see those sweet sweet graphics. The only <laughs> thing is, of course, then I'd have to add another item onto my list, which would be you know a kickass four t four K TV, uh, HDR. Uh, Santa, if you're listening, uh, 80 inches. <laughs> uh, anyway, See, you just have to do what we did. Our TV died on us. So we had to go out to Costco and pick one up. Yeah. Well, the problem is I bought, I bought like such good gear that, um, that it's, it's not going to well, die. Well, <laughs> you know, our living room TV, it's a, it's a 70 inch TV that we bought six years ago and I actually got a fantastic deal on it at the mm-hmm. time. Um, like I, I think it was reasonable, like almost, you know, pretty much even in today's dollars, it was mm-hmm. actually pretty well priced. And, uh, like it's still beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, my eyes are not good enough. I, I really need to get glasses, but my eyes are, are not good enough to, to be able to, you know, see the difference in something better. Now, probably occasionally, you know, certain content, I could probably tell the difference, but, uh, HDR is what really yeah, makes 4k shine. Yeah. It's not just 4k. It's with the HDR. That's true. Content. That's true. But, but I guess my point is logically, like, I don't know what I'm missing yet. And I'm going to keep, keep living in, in ignorance as long as I can, uh, just because it's cheaper that way. And then the other thing I have on my list here, you know, since I get whatever I want is, uh, <laughs> a Nintendo switch. Um, and we actually have, uh, one of these in our house and I do get to play, I started playing Mario Odyssey last night. Uh, but it's just, it's kind of awesome, you know, for, uh, you know, you had a flight out here today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing that would have been kind of cool. And actually if I was traveling with you, <laughs> that would be cool to play like Mario Kart against each other. That would be cool. Yeah. It's just such neat, such neat hardware, uh, the way that it works. I mean, the games are just beautiful on it. Um, it's just so well designed. It's just, it's just awesome. So bo- I want both those systems. I'll take both. What's up next on your list? Kyle? So the next thing that, that I would like is because something that I already got for myself for Christmas. So, on, <laughs> on, so for my own like birthday Christmas gift to myself, I bought a meat smoker oh. and, um, we're loving it. It's amazing. Um, turns meat and makes them even more delicious. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I want is, you know, I've got a little thermometer probe into it, but I want one that's like app enabled. So like, you know, right now, if I want to see what it is, I don't have to open it up, but I have to like go out into my backyard and be like, Oh, okay. It's not the temp, you know, um, they make them. So they have them on your, uh, an app on your phone. So Mm -hmm. as long as you're, uh, within Wi-Fi range of everything, um, you can check it out and that would be so awesome just to be able to get that notification. Ding. It's done. Yep. And the other nice thing about that too, is you can say like, here's what I'm making. And then it can, you know, alert you I, at the right time. Well, and, not only that, but like now that I have this information, it's going over my Wi-Fi. I have access to it programmatically. I can do stuff with that now. Ooh, you can make a Docker container run on the IoT <laughs> Edge. <laughs> Start sending that up to IoT uh, Hub. All right, that would be perfect. Do some analytics and machine learning. Right, you got something else on your list. Okay, what's the last thing? Oh, this is um, um, this one seems too small after the last ones that I talked about. So. You know, I I don't know if I gave like a proper CarPlay review on the podcast and this may or may not be the right time, but (laughs) I'll kind of give you the the short version. Uh, CarPlay in my mind is kind of a mess. If you're, if you're thinking this is something that you really wish you had, um, 
don't worry about it. Like it's not good enough yet to, to really be lusting over. So, you know, what ends up happening is, and I might've explained it on the show before, but I'll give a kind of a recap here. If you, if you, you know, you plug in your phone and it is kind of like magic because it just magically works. Like there's no pairing. Uh, you don't even need Bluetooth. Like you literally hook up the cable and boom, you are up and running. You start playing audio and let, let's say the radio is playing. If I hit play on a podcast, um, it will just start playing the podcast and turn off the radio. Like the integration from that standpoint is really well, really well done. And there's apps like Overcast that are, are in CarPlay. Uh, so you can browse your podcasts and, and start playing them and things like that. So it is kind of nice having that on a bigger screen, having a simplified view of your application. The issue is there's only like five, you know, CarPlay enabled applications and it's not all the ones that you want. So for example, Waze isn't on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google Maps isn't on there. So the only thing you can use is Apple Maps. And what ends up happening is the map shows up on one screen. Your phone will actually show some of the directions, which I actually think is the best use of CarPlay. So you're actually getting dual displays for your navigation, which I think is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. But like with with Overcast, um, it shows up on both screens. And if you end up switching, if if you're sitting there in Overcast... And all of a sudden you open up Waze. And I know it sounds like I'm doing a lot in the car, but I'm literally just like opening my GPS application, right? Um, so this could even be before you start driving. Mm-hmm. So you hit Waze and it goes, oh, well, you want to want to run Waze and clearly nothing else. It closes Overcast, even on the CarPlay screen. And now Waze is going. And now it's just like, well, I don't know what you want to do on the CarPlay screen. There's nothing for me to do. So, you know, you got to keep in mind, like your iPhone, it only supports one application at a time. And it's basically just like, it's a second screen. Um, and I just don't think anybody's taking advantage of it. So what I want, what I think would sort of bridge the gap for me is if they had ways for CarPlay. And I know some people like Google maps as well. So if we had ways in Google maps, at least I think then that would basically cover everything that I use in my car. So I basically do podcasts and I do navigation. So then I would have both of those apps on there. Then I would never even have to look at my mm-hmm. phone. And, and that's not an unreasonable scenario either. Mm-hmm. That's something a lot of people want to do. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about disabling CarPlay. Like that's, that's how bad it is. Cause I plug in my phone, um, before I even start driving, I open up Waze and then all of a sudden it pops up and says CarPlay, there's a splash screen. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, what would you like to do? And it's like, well, genius, like I was just Not opening <laughs> Waze. <laughs> so why don't you let me get back to that? So I end up closing the CarPlay like splash screen and going back anyway. Yeah. Uh, first world problems for sure. Go ahead, Carl. So I put like a, as a big stretch item because like these other things, like I could kind of swing it, like you know if I weren't doing anything else, or you know, <laughs> this is, you know that right time of year, tax season, you know whatever. But like one of those things that would still be a huge stretch is I love amazing coffee, and uh, a coworker was telling me about like this handmade espresso machine, <laughs> and. Like the low end price of these are like I was gonna say how much is fifteen hundred dollars for the oh. one that I put on here, and they go up to like seven or eight grand. Well, so it's like, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm not even asking for the for the crazy crazy one, but um, I would love like a real true espresso machine. Uh, so I, I have a link on here to a rocket espresso to the one that uh, the coworker recommended. And I think he actually even bought this himself. So that's the one that would go like. <laughs> Yeah, it does all the fun stuff. And in fact, some of these you can actually hook up to an app and there's like five different stages. You can have like oh, set pressure and temperature and I didn't all think that about stuff. That. I mean, like, so you can super control it and not only, not only by hand, but automation too. I wonder how much, you, wonder how many hours you could hire a barista for, for $7,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, enough. Yeah. So then uh, that takes care of our personal ones, but yep. me and you were talking the other day and like we mentioned earlier in the show, like we like spend all our money back on you guys. <laughs> like, don't tell the IRS. Well, actually, one of, one of the things is like we we have our different suppliers that make swag, and I actually literally told her how much we make and how much we spend with them. She's like, you pretty much give us everything. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, but one of the things that we're looking because like we don't give away stuff that we don't ourselves want. Right. Like we want to make sure that you guys like what we give you. We're not that's, just that's why crap we out yeah there. like like we always talk like the thing that we don't ever want to give away would be a mouse pad. Like who unless like, it was sweet mouse pad. Well, like LED light. <laughs> well, I guess if it was a high quality mouse pad, but like you know what I mean, like that that like used the to be stuff that like you get at like conventions and you're like, yeah, okay, that's going in the garbage. Yeah, Bob's distribution company, and it's like this like mouse pad from like 20 years ago, and it's like, okay, Bob, like I know you have a million of these in a warehouse, or, or the one gig USB drive. That's yeah, exactly. Full of virus already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 
you know, one of the things that we're looking at, like maybe one of the ways that we can actually save money is by buying a laser engraver and just buying decent stuff. Because pew, if, pew, pew. <laughs> once we have the laser engraver, all the engravings are free. Okay. So I think that would be pretty awesome to get. And I want to see if I can get Jason to unloose those purse strings a little bit. So oh. if you, you want some sweet swag, <laughs> tell, tell Jason to buy me a laser engraver. Okay. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to look at that. <laughs> so if you want laser engraved things, make sure you uh, send a, send Carl an email at feedback at mstfshow.com <laughs> or join our Slack group. Actually don't join our Slack group. Yeah, yeah, we're it's broken. And once you fix that, Carl, then maybe we'll look at the laser engraver. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So even though this was an awesome episode already, we still got the little cherry at the end. Yeah. Azure pick of the week is uh, Azure subscription and service limits, quotas, and constraints. You're like, what the heck is that? So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times that you might be doing something in the cloud, um, in our case, Azure, and you're like, why the heck am I running into, you know, this thing? It's it's acting weird or whatever. Uh, check out this link in the show notes um, and just do like a control F on the page on the website and look for your technology or right at the beginning, they got just like a big list that'll jump you down. But if you're doing like something with IOT hub, you jump down on there, it'll tell you what all the limits are, how many messages a day, the units, the throughput, like things that you don't even think of. Um, there might be uh, limiting you when you're using it. So you might have to think, well, should I scale up? Should I scale out? This can really help you make those decisions. Or there might be like some weird thing on there you never thought of. You can actually contact support for some of these things and get that. Um, these are soft limits and you can have those soft limits raised. Very, very cool. Okay. Well, that was, uh, that was super fun. And, uh, I guess one thing that I want to point out to people is that, uh, I know this episode was delayed a little bit. Uh, that being said, we have, uh, some more episodes scheduled. So while all the other podcasts are running their, their clip shows, which I never, I hate no, listening to those. Clip show. We're not doing a clip show. Uh, we are going to keep recording and, uh, and publishing out episodes. So make sure, you know, this is, this is the one podcast yeah. you will be able to listen to, uh, over the holidays. And in addition, since it is the holiday season, we did something that we're thankful for, something that we want and the holidays are coming out. So why don't you, uh, tell us either what you're thankful for tech wise, uh, what you want for Christmas or what you got for Christmas. If it's that far along. Yeah, that would be very awesome. Okay, Carl, so where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, Carl, Merry Christmas, and uh, looking forward to even more episodes. Happy uh, New Year, Christmas Jason. Season. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm good. Okay. Welcome to our Christmas episode. How's it going, Carl? Um, Not yeah, well, it's just sinking. Oh, I thought I thought you like it came up as you soon as started, as you started talking. I was like, whoa! And like a text to speech. Text to speech. It's just one note, man. Okay, freaking me out. I say we just leave that in. Okay, let's go again. Now it's going backwards. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Okay, here we go.